0: lock, and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's he's Todd Erzin and he is Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show Steve at SteveDace.com. You can Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Instead, try going to places that don't try censoring us. When you go to MeWe, Parlor and Gab, look for Steve Dace there or follow me at Steve Day Show on Getter. And then you can also get clips of the show that are free to watch and also free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Again, that is rumble.com slash Steve Day show. Later on today on the show... Next hour for our Monday town hall. I know a lot of us have been blown away by what has become of America's healthcare system since the start of COVID. The lack of empathy, the unwillingness to try stuff to the point of, we won't let you leave the hospital in some cases. How is it possible with the respiratory inflammation that for almost the full calendar year of 2020, our only protocols were if you test positive to self-isolate. And if you can't breathe, um, come to the hospital and we'll get you on a ventilator, maybe. And then maybe you'll one day come home from the hospital. How did this happen? How is it possible that there could be no treatments other than quote unquote vaccines? That aren't because we had to change the definition of the term vaccine to justify these mediocre at best. That's not even counting the adverse side effects products. How? I think of my mom who, um, you know, went back after she had me, got a GED, went back to college, became a nurse. She did it all clinically, ERs, hospitals, med stations, or what we call now walk-in clinics. Got into the administrative side, working for Blue Cross Blue Shield here in Des Moines and thought HMOs just are the devil. They don't care about patients. You're just a mark. You're just a, you're just a file number to them. And now she has been blown away to see the lack of humanity in her own field. How did this happen? There is a notion out there that this is in response to the panic of covid What if I were to tell you the exact opposite is true? What if I were to tell you that everything that you saw and have experienced, and I'm still getting emails about to this very day. They won't treat me. They can't treat me. There's a study up. I don't care how many strikes it gets me on my Facebook page. I posted it there anyway. Screw them. Massive study out of Southern Brazil, over 200,000 people, that saw a 90% deduction in mortality or reduction in mortality with ivermectin as early prophylaxis. 90%. Next hour, we are going to play for you a presentation that is part of a conference that was held among medical elites in, of all places, unironically, Germany, And it was done in late 2014, and the conference was in response to President Obama at the time, defunding what it calls dual function research. We know it today as gain-of-function research. And what you're going to see, we are only going to play the very first talk. That's all we have time for today. But what you're going to, well, here, I should say, is that this habitat, this utilitarian construct where we are now lab rats for cutting-edge tech and not patients, COVID didn't create this. This was created in advance of anything like COVID coming along, meaning this isn't reactionary. It's preemptive. They meant to do this. I know I found it hard to believe myself, which is why I've listened to the talk. I'm going to play for you today three times now. And it is so cold. It is so calculating. It is so clinical. There's no Hippocratic oath. There's no empathy. It's just. The matrix, you're just data. That's all you are. You're data to them. We will play that for you in real time and comment on it in real time for the entirety of next hour. You do not want to miss that. Also coming up on the show today at the bottom of the hour, Megan Basham from Daily Wire is going to join us. She wrote a fantastic piece about what she calls Big Eva or uh, evangelical elites. Basically either knowingly bearing false witness Or signing up to be simps for the spirit of the age where COVID is concerned. This is a fantastic piece that Megan has written. And we will talk to her about that at the bottom of the hour. also want to talk to you for a minute about our friends over at Better Spectacles. If you're in the market for new glasses, let's say you like mine. Well, good news for you—you you can get the same ones I have, maybe even pick out nicer ones. Because now they have German-engineered rodent stock eyewear available for mass distribution here in the United States for the very first time. This has been long considered one of the the blue bloods when it comes to uh, when it comes to eyewear. Over 500 patents, and now they're they're mass available even for problematic prescriptions like mine, where I'm a little bit far and a little bit near, all right? So sometimes when you have that progressive lens thing going on, you got to get the dorky lenses not anymore. They can handle your basic prescription, they can handle your more problematic or troublesome one, whichever you bring to the table. Make sure you check out some of the best opticians in the country online. When you go to betterspectacles.com/steve and if you do, they'll get you started with 61% off those ghost spec lenses plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames today. BetterSpectacles.com/Steve for that offer. And now we begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away.
2: Ooh, the time would come when the corporate press and the political machines driven by the spirit of the age, would decide somebody who gets real high and asks questions normal people want to know would be a threat too large to the system to leave around for too long. Thus, we've seen the ongoing attack on podcast superstar Joe Rogan play out over the last couple of weeks. This weekend, it hit a new level. A left-wing super PAC called Midas Touch scour old episodes of the Joe Rogan experience. They found a handful of times years ago when Joe Rogan used the N-bomb in jokes. Naturally, Spotify responded by removing dozens of his show's episodes, most of which had nothing to do with those N-bombs and who include guests which the system would likely deem to be dangerous spreaders of misinformation in a bleak turn however rogan issued an apology it's a video that's made of clips taken out of context of me of 12 years of conversations on my podcast and it's all smushed together and it looks horrible even to me it's a very unusual word but it's not my word to use i'm well aware of that now but For years I used it in that manner. I never used it to be racist because I'm not racist. But whenever you're in a situation where you have to say, I'm not racist, you up. And I clearly have Babylon B says, man being devoured by hungry sharks tries apologizing to them. The CEO of Spotify issued a letter over the weekend to his employees apologizing to them for the debacle as well. So to boil all this down, it's one massive political, yes, political power play to send the message to literally everyone in this country. You will never be allowed to have a platform the size of Rogan's while not being a simp for the spirit of the age. And now, here's Russell Brand mocking Brian Stelter. Which sounds great, but not all opinions are created equal. Now, it's little news, Sonny Jim. You're not only making people not trust you, you're making them not trust me. Who just wing it. Who make it up as they go along. And because figures like Rogan are trusted by people that don't trust real newsrooms. They're like, why don't people trust me? They trust Rogan, but I'm perfectly trustworthy.
0: Look how loose my tie knot is. Joe Rogan's irresponsible. He took horse maggot medicine the other day. Now tell me, sir. And don't tell me anything other than this. Should there be a war? Yes, there should be a war. Interview's done. I'd like to see you do that, Joan Rogan.
2: In Canada, another example of cancel culture unfolded over the weekend. At the direct request of a foreign government, in this case the city government of Ottawa, Ontario, the popular crowdfunding website GoFundMe... An American company confiscated all $9 million of donations to the truckers and announced they would not be issuing automatic refunds to donors. After outcry, they decided to issue refunds automatically, but remained steadfast in their statement that the trucker protest had turned into a quote-unquote occupation. Tangentially, GoFundMe also removed the fundraiser for a dying Texas sheriff deputy's medical bills after his wife posted online about ivermectin. Back to Canada, heavily armed Canadian police started shooting showing up on the streets of Ottawa last night, some confiscating fuel for the truckers, many of whom sleep in their cabs overnight. In Alberta, that massive protest is still going on, as you can see from this drone footage of the cars blocking the highway. Moving on, here's Georgia Governor Stacey Abrams with a feces-eating grin on her maskless face at a school surrounded by dozens of masked-up kids. In Washington, D.C., here's what $40,000 per year at a private school gets you. (laughs) We now go to ESPN for today's Beijing talking points. Who are we to criticize China's human rights records when we have ongoing uh, attacks by the agents of the state against unarmed citizens, and we've got assaults on the voting rights of of our people of color in various states in this country. A federal judge has ruled in a final court order that the FDA and Pfizer must produce hundreds of thousands of documents over the next six months, some of which pertain to safety information about the COVID jabs. Both the FDA and Pfizer had been attempting to stonewall legal efforts at that transparency. And finally, creepy porn lawyer Michael Avenatti has been convicted of stealing $300,000 from his former client, porn star Stormy Daniels.
0: All of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. He's Donald Trump's worst nightmare, Michael Avenatti. <laughs>
3: Joining us once again is Michael Avenatti. Let's bring in Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti, thank you very much. He's <laughs> out there saving the Look, country. Y- y- Don
2: Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. You are something of a folk hero now.
3: I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. I've been saying enough for Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. I uh, am just dying to hear what you think.
2: These people all like you.
3: I'm the only person right here Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller.
0: We think you guys are the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. Right. Michael Avenatti's a beast.
2: OK, that's true. And he, he's a beast. He's a
4: beast.
3: I hand it to yeah. her, and I hand it to Michael Avenatti.
4: But he has a great, bigger calling here, that being a lawyer is minimal
2: compared to what he's doing.
0: No one has talked tougher directly to Donald Trump on TV than Michael Avenatti. Uh,
2: one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a
0: contender is because
2: of your presence on cable news. You look at the field of Democrats right now, and Avenatti's the one who stands out.
1: And that's what happened? Well. We were away. Didn't Anna Navarro compare Michael Avenatti to the Holy Spirit? Yep. I believe I tweeted a reference to that clip out over yeah. the weekend. Yeah. Um, Forgive me, but I believe God incarnate says in the scriptures there is only one unforgivable sin, right? Yeah, yeah. And do you guys remember what that is? Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Uh, Aaron's montage, uh, brought to you by our friends, uh, over at built bar. And I can confirm my white chocolate covered cookies and cream did arrive over the weekend. They are real and they are spectacular. I, I had a guy email me and tell me I have loved every flavor of these I've ever tried except this one. I, I don't even know what to say. Though in some strange way, I respect it. You know what I'm saying? In a dude code kind of way. The the disdain for the obvious good just and just being different, I respect the contrarian view. No, they don't rival chocolate chip cookie dough because nothing does. I, I still would probably put it behind coconut brownie chunk, but it, it could be up there for number three or number four in the power ratings. And it is available right now. They are phenomenal. And, and really, all their flavors are great. Some are just greater than others. All right, but... We're just measuring things on a greatness scale here with the greatest protein bar of all time. Um, the white chocolate cookies and cream, by the way, that bar is 130 calories, man. 17 grams of protein for 130 calories and all of that flavor. You can't beat it. So use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. When you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T for built.com and go there today. Get 15% off your first or next order of Built Bar when you go to built.com and use the promo code DACE. So let's, let's get into the montage. And, and really, I want to discuss the Rogan saga today. Because, man, I, I, I just think there are numerous teachable moments here. And I, I, I'm trying to remember who was it, and I retweeted them. I'd have to go back into my, into my feed because I thought this was a very interesting take. And it came from somebody that I didn't expect it to come from. Oh, it's the Cernovich dude. That's who it was. So I don't know. Maybe he's had like a spiritual revival or awakening in his life in the last couple of years. That'd be cool because he's got a fairly large following on social media, right? So we could certainly use more of those around here. But he had made the point that Rogan is faithless. And so asking him to be this level of contrarian without anything transcendent at work in his life. Now, I don't know that about Rogan. I'm just going to assume that Cernovich knows. And if he's, he's wrong, uh, feel free to correct me on that. But um, I, from what I've seen, heard of Rogan, I would put him more in a truth seeker realm than somebody who has an actual truth that they believe in. Is that fair? Yeah okay um, I mean, which I'll take by the way it's a start <laughs> yeah. okay it's a start uh, I mean you two saying I still haven't found what I'm looking for yeah. okay so it's a start you know and it's a start that often ends you up at the ultimate truth your willingness to you know seek truth out right that whole ask seek not thing right mm-hmm. and, and, and I thought Cernovich made an interesting point and you guys know me I'm big into giving people credit when we discuss their stuff or share it Um And he said, hey, this guy has nothing transcendent at work in his life. He has, these have been his ideological peeps his entire career. And without that level of transcendence at work in your life, to have mass segments of what you consider to be your peer group turn against you, you're, you're, in, in most cases, it's too much to ask someone to do the whole Joan of Arc thing in, in that sort of setting. By the way, what was Joan of Arc driven by? She was driven by faith. Okay. That that's asking a lot of somebody that doesn't have something transcendent at work in their life as a plumb line or a cornerstone. I, I, I think you've seen some of that observation play out. In the double-minded way, I think, at times that now that Rogan has addressed this on two different occasions. Where it's clear he wants to call BS on all of this. But, but he just, he can't. And, and I don't think it's weakness. I don't. I think it's that no man can rise above his own worldview. This guy's not a wimp. I think that, that there's a worldview framework There. That doesn't provide a win for going against the grain on a macro level, right? I mean, for me as a Christian, for example... Jesus says, hey, uh, blessed are you when they say all sorts of spiteful things and false accusations against you for my sake, right? If they did this to a green tree, me, what are they going to do to you, right? Whoever doesn't lose their life for my sake, right? So this is part of the, the agreement when you enter into this relationship. If you're sincere about it, then you have to know that if you never face this where it's kind of you against the world in, in whatever, in your corner of the world, if you never face that feeling, then maybe you really ought to wonder if you've truly entered into this relationship, right? hmm And where does that come from for someone as contrarian, as self-reliant as Joe Rogan? Where does that courage of self-assuredness that your opposition to me proves to me I was over the target and I was in the right. And what I see is a guy that's kind of flailing a bit for more members of his peer group to affirm him and you had The Rock come out and do that and then betray him again and you're watching that play out that it's, it, it's going to be very difficult to defy a a spirit of the age, a zeitgeist in your era without something transcendent to drive you. Um, I I think that's part one. Part two is how can two walk in arm in arm unless they see eye to eye? A house divided against itself cannot stand. Okay? He now doesn't have real backing yeah, they're saying they're not going to cancel Rogan, but they're canceling him in the process. They are they are defanging him. They've, it's now, what, over 100 episodes that they have removed, right? So you don't have that sort of support structure from people strictly from a business standpoint either. And, you know, I have said in the past that... In much of my career, I would have rather worked for people who, were, who just wanted my content for monetization and not on the basis of whether they agreed with it because that latter standard is a lot more subjective, right? You guys have heard me say that? But, but we are entering into a different realm now of culture war where, where, where Spotify has decided that it is better for its bottom line to earn the favor of a faceless social media mob than it is to allow a product that it paid a hundred million dollars to acquire to fully realize its potential. And so if we're in that level now of culture war, where even if you produce the objective standard, everyone says going in that they wanted, and this is the success that everybody said going in that they wanted. And we would prefer affirmation from a faceless mob instead well now, again, I have to I have to react to the reality of the world that I am in and not continue to behave as if the world that I want it to be. You are now in a world where your performance, depending on who you align yourself with, no matter how successful it is, will not be good enough unless you slurp their desires and narratives. And I think we have to adjust our thinking along along those lines. where where that is concerned too. So a lack of transcendence, where does that culture, where does that courage, that next level courage come from? Because Rogan is not lacking in courage. I mean, dude steps in a ring with the potential of having his face broken on a routine level, okay? Uh, So that next level of courage, where does it come from when the affirmation that you're used to being your support network is not there? And then I think we have to reconsider the calculus of Who we are willing to submit ourselves to, or the old-fashioned stained-glass window term is being unevenly yoked, all right, from a biblical terminology standpoint. And then I think the, the third issue is that Rogan has violated here something that is far more threatening to the spirit of the age. Then then, take all of our efforts here on a show like this, everything Daniel's done, take everything we have here at the blaze, everything. put it together into one into one truth bomb. and it would be it would be a it would be a moab level event, right? If we all all of us here, every one of our platforms just put all of our energies and creativities and knowledges into one bomb and threw it at the spirit of the age, it would be a Moab, right? Yes. What Rogan, though, offers is a weapon of mass destruction that causes societal, well, great resets. Because he is taking some of the things that we talk about and and he's removing them from the habitat that we have been relegated to. We have been relegated to a form of an intellectual ghetto, frankly. I mean, I, I talked about this in my 2018 book, Truth Bombs. I, I you know, I, I got called from CNN and MSNBC all the time for like 10 years. And then suddenly they stopped calling me. And then one day out of the blue, CNN called me because they saw that I tweeted criticism of Trump's filleting of, uh, of the butcher of uh, Pyongyang. Did, do you think that they were like, oh, yeah, hey, there's, there's that Steve Dayton. No, you just they looked at all the rest of my takes where I liked what Trump was doing. And suddenly they're not interested in that. They're, not in, they're interested in, in, in furthering a narrative. See what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. And, and you can see that by the fact that they're hiring Jonah Goldberg now. Okay. But what Rogan did is, is he blew up their narratives in ways none of us on the right. None of us are. Think of the biggest platforms on the right. My buddy, Bonjir, Gino, Shapiro. Those are probably the two biggest. Beck would be... Those are three. the three biggest platforms we probably have collectively on the right. Yeah. When you look at book sales, digital, uh, over the air, radio... When you look at the diversification of those portfolios, those are the three biggest platforms we have on the right, right? What Rogan did was threaten them at a level that all three of those platforms, even if they coordinated together, could not threaten them. Why? Because... Dan Bongino didn't create Rumble guys because he thought YouTube had substandard technology. They created Rumble because they knew they were going to get relegated to the intellectual ghetto and they needed an alternative. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Same thing. That's why Getter was created. That's why Parlor was created. That's why we were created. What, what Rogan has done is reached an audience that we could never reach a segment of people that would never tune us in because of certain kinds of political branding and open them up to the idea that there was objective truth out there to be found. Now, sometimes, man, they look for it, you know, at Roswell and Area 51. And sometimes they look for it with, you know, um, with marijuana and and, and its accoutrements. But it was all under the guise of guys just kind of hanging around trying to figure out what's BS and what's not. Finally, our colleague Jason Whitlock, I think, has a brilliant analysis of this. In that, he says that in our society for a long time, it was agreed that comedians and clergy could say things to us that would not be acceptable in other venues because a couple of places, and and comedians would say it with irreverence, clergy would say it with reverence, but there had to be a couple of spaces where we could be confronted as on a civilization level on a cultural level with our own BS. And those were the two v- venues that that permission was granted. And it is no coincidence now. And Rogan comes out of the comedy world, by the way, it is no coincidence. Now they're trying to rein that in. They are threatening the church on a, on a legal level for doing that. And they're threatening the culture on a, I'm sorry, they're threatening the, the, the comedy world on a, on a social media cultural acceptance level so that there no one has permission outside of our intellectual ghetto on the right, where we are cordoned off. No one within the mainstream has permission to step into that mainstream and say, I got to call BS on that. Thoughts. Well, that was a tour de force. There's so much
4: there, but I will simply say this, this is once again, an issue where our comfort blinds us to doing what is necessary? Joe Rogan made a lot of money and he, d- he deserved it uh, for, uh, you know, stepping in and offering this kind of product. But that level of comfort that that money brought him is currently blinding him to, that these apologies, trying to be a nice guy is meaningful to anybody. This is a civil war. We are in the full Orwell. The courage that he needs to find isn't because, I mean, he's an MAA fighter in terms of is a talk radio uh, uh, motifs but he needs to find the courage to have the eyes to see and ears to hear that w- this isn't hollywood anymore We're, this is a war and your apologies are immaterial you either win or you lose that's it
1: and there is no there will be no switzerlands here no we would grant all kinds of them yes but the other side of this equation doesn't intend for there to be any of them more in a moment have a fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children, but this is a right that is under attack. From government schools and teachers' unions hell-bent on indoctrination, many schools have enacted policies that allow minor students to change their name or their pronouns at school without Parental consent. Some schools have uh, treated students differently based on race, compelling students to affirm and support ideas contrary to the values that they're being raised with at home. This is where our friends over at Alliance Defending Freedom come in. They are challenging this indoctrination and these threats to parental rights, but they cannot do it alone. They need our help preserving a parental rights project for the future of our children, and that's why it is vital that you support that project at Alliance Defending Freedom freedom uh, they represent all of their clients pro bono which means though they need tax deductible funding from people like us we donated to ADF last year when they got off the schneid and got involved in the fight against covid stand and jabs and so wouldn't ask you to do anything that i wouldn't do when it comes to supporting an organization slash steve is where you can make a tax deductible donation in order to protect and defend parental rights adflegal.org slash steve again that's adflegal.org slash steve well she's back for a second time because she has written a second fantastic piece her name is megan basham she's with the daily wire and megan it's good to have you back here with us on blaze tv radio and podcast how are you
3: i'm doing well it's good to be here steve thanks for having me
1: you bet so you have written a piece we have we have played some some curious clips on this show in the past with Ed Stetzer over at the Billy Graham Association, and what can only be described as slobbering uh, over Francis Collins from formerly of the National Institutes of Health, who was, um, you know, supposedly our Christian uh, representative within the elite science academies, and and we thought it was very disturbing audio at the time, um, but we also don't know if somebody doesn't know what they're doing or um, maybe has a long-standing relationship with someone and they just uh, wouldn't be the first time you were disappointed by somebody and didn't want to acknowledge it. We've all we can all kind of been there. Meaning, are you knowingly bearing false witness or not? Your piece at The Daily Wire took a look at this question and frankly gave us a disturbing answer or two. Tell us about it
3: right so i spent some time really sort of digging into all the podcasts all the material that was out there all of the people platforming francis collins and really looking at how they were platforming francis collins so what they did very clearly was present him as a christian brother a faithful leader a man you can trust a man of great integrity a a man who believes in the sanctity of human life. So he was presented on all of these major Christian platforms. We're talking about Christianity today, of course, Ed Stetzer, as you mentioned, church leaders uh, with Rick Warren, Tim Keller, all of these people presented him this way. And because they presented him this way, they said, you can listen to what he's telling us about COVID policy. You can trust him when he says that it is a conspiracy theory to believe that the coronavirus was engineered in a lab in Wuhan. You can believe him when he says that masks are a life-saving medical device, and that if your children don't wear them to school, those schools will become super spreaders. So they all platformed Francis Collins in that way. So I went and you know kind of collated everything they said, and then I went and took a very deep look at Francis Collins' record, and also took a look at the basic news cycle to see how was he benefiting from getting church leaders and church media to convince their church members and congregants to look at Francis Collins in this way.
1: What's ironic about this, Todd, is as uh, our editor, Todd, you may or may not know this, uh, Megan, but uh, he is a proud Catholic. And, and yeah. so Todd and I routinely have 500 year old arguments on this show between the two of us. <laughs> And but one of the things I've said to Todd over the years is that everybody is a papist. Remember, you've heard me say of this. Of course. Everybody is. Everybody. everybody is. Just some people's papacy is in Rome. Some people's papacy is in Colorado Springs. Some people's papacy is in North Carolina. But we are we're all papists, right? Okay. Yeah. Lo and behold, here, here we have evangelical leaders telling the flock, Megan, that they cannot acquire objective information. Or, or connect with real truth without going through institutionally approved resources. Um, so he's Bishop Francis Collins. Now, of course, I would presume he knows more about these topics than I do, but the idea that you just take hand to mouth what he says unchallenged, I I, I guess there was no reformation after all. We didn't democratize the process of, of transcendence or a truth acquisition. We just wanted a whole new institution, one that we were in charge of now. That's essentially the argument, right?
3: Well, and they absolutely did treat him that way. But I also think it's important to note that they didn't have to wade into this, right? We didn't need churches weighing in on mask policy. That could have been something that we allowed to unfold in the public arena, that we allowed politicians, that we allowed local boards and governments to sort of wrestle through. The point of Francis Collins being platformed by these organizations and in these pulpits was that they were telling us that it was um, a gospel issue, Mm -hmm. that wearing masks was the way to love your neighbor. One major leader, Beth Moore, even said, it's the way to follow Jesus. So we have to really look at how Francis Collins was being used. he, He very specifically said, I exhort you pastors to talk to your church members about this. So he was going out and doing this saying, you know, I I, I kind of openly saying I want to use you as propaganda platforms because you have a captive audience in your churches. So he was doing that. And of course, the whole time that he's dismissing things like the lab leak theory as conspiracy theory, we now know that um, he may have been covering some things up. I mean, we're, we're looking at these leaked emails now between he and Dr. Fauci showing that um, they may have been deflecting because they may have been fun- So um, the, the, the issue has gotten really complicated and it is really sad that churches are now tied into that and that they helped further a potentially false narrative to cover up some government tracks. That, that's sort of appalling. But then even more appalling is when you look at Francis Collins's record. So he was platformed as a Christian brother, man of integrity. David French called him a national treasure, a man who believes in the sanctity of human life. Well, then when you look at his record, you find he is none of those things. He, I, I'm not questioning his salvation, but I am saying... A a Bible-believing Christian would have a very hard time aligning their beliefs with Francis Collins' public policies and what he has said he believes in. He believes in fetal tissue research. He has argued for it. He has directed record-level funding towards it. He funded grants that allow the University of Pittsburgh to harvest organs from full-term babies, to, to, to graft infant scalps onto lab rats. He funded a new initiative and he was very proud of this. He put out a new sexual and gender minority initiative that he put his name to. It's not like he can say, I didn't know. He's got a letter in which he declares himself an ally and an advocate. And that initiative directed a grant toward research that gives opposite sex hormones to children as young as eight and mastectomies to girls as young as 13. So that is what we now in the church have been platforming. This is the man we're platforming, and we're saying this is a great Christian brother. And that's pretty appalling when you think about that. Um, And so I wrote this piece, and what I can tell you is that I called all of the men listed in that piece, and I tried to talk to them about, did you know about this when you platformed Francis Collins? What is your response to this? Do you stand by your statements that he's a man of integrity, a national treasure? Not one of them. Not Keller, not David French, not Rick Warren, not N.T. Wright, not Russell Moore, not Ed Stetzer. None of them would talk to me.
1: What's the benign, innocent explanation for that?
3: I I, Honestly, I don't think there is one. Um, I, I can tell you that since then, sort of the chatter on social media... Uh, They don't address me directly, but it feels like I'm being sort of subtweeted here as they're saying, well, we really need to end this divisive tone. We need to end this disagreement as if the charges I've brought forward are just a matter of mere disagreement, which Mm -hmm. they're not. I mean, we're talking either some negligence that needs to be addressed or we're talking even potential collusion that needs to be addressed.
1: You had an opportunity to interview Francis Collins last week, correct?
3: I did. <laughs> uh, so we had a an interview scheduled. Uh, coincidentally, right after my essay came out, uh, a marketing group, a PR company that has worked with his firm, his, his organization that he founded 10 years ago, BioLogos, contacted me and said, would you like to do an interview, a Zoom interview with Francis Collins? And of course, I said, well, sure I would. Yes, please. <laughs> So I signed up for the interview and uh, spent some time reading through their press materials and crafting questions. And I I arrived at my appointed interview time on Zoom. I sat there and five minutes went by and I checked in with the PR people and they said, oh, we're just running a little late. Okay, 10 minutes go by. Should I truncate my question? Should I streamline? Are we still good? No, we're good. 15 minutes go by and click, I get a canceled notice on my Zoom. Uh, meeting form there. So the next thing I know, I'm texting the PR people and they said, uh, first they wouldn't answer me. Then I left some messages and finally they got back to me and said, well, uh, Dr. Collins was concerned that you would not stick to the topic at hand and he has to have federal clearance to talk about certain subjects. So we had to cancel the interview. Um, which doesn't wash. I mean, look, I've interviewed lots of people before who are in positions where they cannot talk about something during the interview, and it's very easy to say, I'm so sorry, I'm not at liberty to discuss that. What I can tell you is this other thing, or I could talk about this subject. So that was something that he certainly could have done in the interview. Um, So I'm not sure what to say other than he completely dodged me All of the people I referenced in the article have dodged me, and now they're trying to pretend that this is just a matter of tone and disagreement.
1: Where does this go from here, do you think?
3: Uh, Well, for my reporting, I'm looking into some things. Um, Eric Erickson, conservative radio host, put out an essay saying that he spoke— Now, he didn't say who he spoke to, but he said he spoke to some people— and that the matter is more complex and nuanced than he thought at first, and uh, that perhaps Francis Collins did not know about some of this funding. So I'm digging a little bit now to see, OK, let's see what we can pin down about who knew what, when. Um, for my part, I, I have no intention of just dropping this story now. I don't think it should get swept under the rug Um I, I, I sort of see the play being run, which is delay and stall and mm-hmm. try to frame it as something different. And, uh, for my part, I have no intention of letting that happen.
1: Megan Basham over at the daily wire, finish the race. Okay. I
3: will.
1: Get to the I finish line will. on this. You're doing phenomenal work. God bless you. All right. Take care.
3: Thank you. And thank you for having me, Steve. It's great to be here to talk about it.
1: You bet. Take care. You're doing great work. Thanks for the work you're doing. There is no innocent, benign explanations for any of this. There is no nuance. Uh, Everyone in hell. Everyone in hell cried out for nuance. There is no nuance.
2: Hey, Eve, uh, about that tree, I know God said not to eat the fruit. It's a little bit more complex and nuanced than that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Jesus is the only way. I mean, what about all these other religions or all these other traditions? You got to have a little bit more of a nuanced view than that, right? I mean, it could be that, you know, God just sacrificed his only son as a way, put him through a torturous death, and then provided other opportunities where you could do things that don't require nearly that level of sacrifice in order to see your sins atoned for. I mean, it's more of a nuanced position than that say i
2: I show up to work two minutes before the show starts every single day i don't get any of my job done other than pushing buttons if i'm even doing that correctly Uh, i'm generally sloppy in appearance uh i am just overall a drag on the show you confront me about that sometime steve and what's your reaction if i say hey let's let's end this division here okay it's really important that we're united in the body what do you what would you respond if i
1: Um, if i said there isn't any division because it's my show. So there isn't any division. That, that That's what I would say. The, the expectations are pretty clear. There isn't any division. If, if you have an issue with the standards we have on the show, you're welcome to have any of those opinions you would like. You'll just be working at a different show. That's what I would say. Yeah.
4: The providential timing of what we discussed in this entire first hour is just perfection. Because... Rogan has to go because he believes in a world where we talk about stuff at the highest levels. Everybody, Socratic dialogue, answer questions. And we just found out that there's a bunch of people, and she named off a bunch of names. Some are scientists, uh, some are uh, thinkers, journalists, what have you. Their fundamental belief is that they don't owe you an answer for anything. Your job
1: is to kneel to them. That's exactly right. And it doesn't matter whether it's these church leaders Uh, in the church sphere or public health leaders or political leaders or media leaders. And, and, And one of the things that we talked a lot in the Trump era is, I mean, I can completely see to this day, I can see why someone of a sincere Christian conviction cannot bring themselves to vote for Donald Trump out of character issues, honesty issues, can completely see that. However, how many people, that's the real objection. And then for how many people is that a false objection because they want to use him as the excuse to move everything to the left, right? Our colleague Ali Stuckey points this out all the time with, uh, you know, every time Biden does something nuts, crazy. Evangelicals for Biden, you must be happy, right? This is, I mean, but it's, it's a nice tone, you know, the tone. Uh-huh. actually, Biden's tone isn't even good anymore. But I mean, this is the this is the fallacy of all these arguments. So. For people like Tim Keller and Beth Moore and these people. Was it real concern about Trumpist ideology infiltrating the church? So that. Hey, we can all become gaslighters now because that's what the devil does to us, right? That's a legit concern. We've we've expressed it on this show, right? Uh-huh. Or was it an excuse because we've got a new brand of gaslighting for that ass? We got a new brand of gaslighting that we actually, the the, the pigs have realized four legs are good, two legs are bad, but you know, after a while, four legs are good, but... Two legs be even better as we're the ones prancing around, prancing around the farmer's house. Now, most of the time, the vast majority of the time, it is the latter that 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 the issues with tone, whether that's a generic reference or a specific one to somebody like Trump, it is a ruse. It is Uh a false objection And it is done to disarm you in order to move you to heterodoxy or to liberalism or some other form of spirit of the age uh, ideology. That's really what it's all about is those things, because the list of people that hold on. To their orthodoxy, while still complaining about the antics of others, is un poquito. The list of people who move left while complaining about the antics of others is jai-frickin-normous. Hour 2 is next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzen, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Uh, Look for me, Steve Dace, on Facebook, MeWe, Parler, and Gab, at Steve Dace Show, on Twitter, and Getter. I look for clips of the show that you can watch, which are free to watch and then free of censorship when you go to rumble.com/slash Steve Day Show. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you so much for being a huge part of this show's growth and success. Please, if you have yet to do so, leave us a five-star review and/or hit follow or subscribe, whichever applies to. Whichever podcast platform you prefer. And thanks to all of you, so many, that have done those things for us already. uh, You're helping our show to grow, so please continue doing exactly that. Uh, I I told you over Christmas that I I got a unique gift from my mom this year from our friends at Paint Your Life. That I went back and uh, got the oldest photo I had of my mom and I together. I'm maybe two at the most, which means she's not even 18. Uh, And this picture is pretty worn going back to the the mid-70s now. And I gave it to our friends over at Paint Your Life to see what they could do with it uh, in repainting, uh, recreating via painting that photo. And it was absolutely amazing uh, what they did. Uh, It completely blew uh, my mom away. Well, you know, yet more holidays now are coming up, more opportunities to celebrate those moments that matter most, to hold on to them forever. These things look fantastic it's possible to get your portrait done in as little as two weeks. Perfect birthday, anniversary, wedding gift, whatever you're looking for. Uh, if you want to go see samples of this work yourself, um, you can do that at paintyourlife.com. Um, or if you just want to say, you know what, man, I've seen enough. I got to get in on this. It's, it's, it's a very unique gift and it's, they do fantastic work. Text Steve to 64000. All right, you can text Steve to 64000, get 20% off your painting and free shipping when you go that route. All right, 20% off and free shipping, and that's when you text the word Steve, my first name, to 64000. I promise you, they do absolutely fantastic work. So let's get to our Monday Town Hall. And I mean, we have just a tremendous support structure to this show, whether it's so many of you in the audience, um, people that we work with here at The Blaze, that are constantly tipping us off to things. We're not omniscient. We're not omnipresent. We can't know everything. We can't be everywhere, right? And at some point in time, even I've got to deflect my brain from this and do other stuff to stop myself from going insane. And so so many of the, the best things we've done on this show over the years has been things that other people have tipped us off to that we were not aware of. We're going to get into that here in just a second. Because I think a lot of us have been flabbergasted to see what has become of American medicine. Western medicine, really. <clears throat> How, that We're going to deny transplants to people because they're not jabbed. You, you can't see your kid in a hospital or your loved one in a hospital if you're not jabbed. And at the same time that the jab manufacturers tell you that their jab no longer works to stop anybody from getting infected with these viruses, that's why they're going to try to put out new variant-specific jabs, you would think that that would mean, oh, okay, well, it's a therapeutic then. It's kind of your own personal choice whether... You want to go down that route of treating yourself preemptively with COVID, or if there are other therapies out there that are you think are, you know you want to go down that road, but the reality is jabbing all these people to stop them from, uh, you know, spreading this virus in a hospital setting isn't going to work. Not going to work. So there's really no point to continuing this divisive right? Except that's not what we've seen, is it? In fact, what we have seen is the more these things have proven to be more of the leaky variety. Remember, there's only two kinds of vaccines. There are perfect ones and there are leaky ones. Anything in between that purports to just treat the severity of symptoms is not a vaccine by any definition of this term until COVID. It's what we call a therapeutic, which is why I told you in 2020, I didn't think they'd ever come up with a COVID vaccine. coronavirus vaccine because we never have and if they came up with anything it would be a therapeutic like a flu shot right didn't we have all those conversations that's exactly what they came up with and yet the more this has shown to be a therapeutic at best a leaky vaccine therefore making it harder on those getting the jabs spreading the virus all the more making the virus actually stronger as it replicates its viral load within the infected. That's what happens with a leaky vaccine. The more that we have evidence that we're somewhere between a therapeutic to a flat-out leaky vaccine and we're worried about antibody-dependent enhancement where you've got now total vaccine failure, the likes of which that Anthony Fauci described to Mark Zuckerberg in 2020 with the HIV vaccine that they tried. The more the evidence shows that this is the case right now in Israel, Uh, They just concluded their highest combined week of deaths in the history of this pandemic. Over 80% of adults in Israel have been triple jabbed. Half of the adults have been quadruple jabbed. And this is the deadliest week for the virus for Israel ever. And so it's weird that the more that it shows it's not an inoculation and not what we were promised. The worse and harsher the tyranny gets with it. Why? Why? When did this originate? I think we're all used to health insurance companies deciding if you have a baby, you can't stay more than 48 hours to get costs. We all understand that world, the profit world, we get that. I think we all understand the profit world, pre-COVID as well, we get that. But what is it about these particular products that they cannot be questioned, and to question them means you sacrifice some form of your freedoms and civil rights, your God-given rights. Why? Where did these notions come from? Why did we spend an entire, almost an entire year with Western medicine and provide no treatment for COVID whatsoever, when symptomatically it behaved like a lot of other respiratory infections we've seen over over the course of centuries? Why did we say, though, this one couldn't be treated like asthma or rhinovirus or pneumonia or flu? This one this one couldn't be treated like other respiratory infections or inflammations. This one couldn't be treated at all. And then once these jabs arrived, these were the only treatments we could have. Why? So a few weeks ago, I got an email from one of our uh, peers here, one of our colleagues here at the place, Tara Price, who works in our social media department. And she's also kind of, a, it turns out, in her spare time, just loves research and stuff. And she sent this to a few people that she knew that worked in the media, myself included. And at first I'm like, okay, man, I'll get to it when I get to it. Because you know how many of these kinds of things I get okay. constantly and all the time. All right? And then I kind of forgot about it for a few days and she pinged me again. So I decided to listen to it one night playing Madden football after everybody went to bed and i could not believe what i was listening to in fact i'm like i need to listen to this again am i am i listening to this right is this is this saying what i think it is saying if you go to my social media accounts right now the link for this is on every one of them facebook it's the very top thing on all my social media accounts if you're watching or listening live if you're doing this later today via podcast You'll probably have to scroll a little bit. Other things will get posted. But if you're listening or watching live right now at 109 Eastern, it is the top thing on all of my social media accounts. Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, Parler, Gab, and Getter. All of them. It is a link to a conference that was held in 2014. And this was a conference, not unironically, held in Germany. And it was about how essentially to respond to the United States under President Obama after hearing complaints from scientists at numerous universities, John Hopkins, Rutgers, several others, about the dangers of what they called at that time dual function research. We know it today, eight years later, as gain of function research. The Obama administration stopped funding this in 2014 after hearing so many concerns. This conference addresses that ban, why it happened, and what to do about it. It was sponsored by the Volkswagen Foundation. Yeah, that Volkswagen Foundation. Medical elites from all over the world gathered at this event. If you go to the link to the page, it's on all of my social media accounts. You're going to see links to four different talks from this conference. Today, we're only going to play the first one. That's all we have time for. The first talk that we'll get to in a second is about making decisions about gain-of-function research. Does, does, is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the danger of potentially allowing something to escape from a lab that you are researching and working on worth what the benefits would be, It's a grief to profit ratio. That's the one we're going to listen to today. And I want you to hear how they calculate this within their own sanctum. The other talks that you'll see when you go to this page, uh, there is a constitutional attorney, uh, Rüdiger Wolfram, a constitutional attorney from Germany. He spends an hour on the constant. It's called the constitutional limits of science. But if you listen to his talk, I've listened to all of these if you listen to his talk it's basically how to circumvent the german constitutional system and do this research anyway do it anyway because germany was now having concerns about it after the after president obama's ban so he's coaching them on how to get around these bans and how to change the views of lawmakers i mean the 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 name of the conference was dual use research on microbes biosafety biosecurity and responsibility. The third talk here is by Michael Specter from the New Yorker. The name of his talk is finding the balance between fear and progress. He compares gain of function research to a hammer in his talk. Yes, I can use a hammer to cave somebody's skull in, or I could just use it as a, as a tool to pound in a nail that supports the foundation of a structure. That's the exact That is the exact metaphor he gives. That's the exact analogy he gives. In his talk, he also uh, decries the increasingly growing right wing Charles Schumer. I'm not making this up. That's right out of his talk. His native senator, Charles Schumer, is becoming increasingly right wing because only right wingers could think it's a real bad idea to weaponize deadly viruses for research in a lab. The final talk is Moral and Ethical Responsibilities of Life Scientists from David Relman. He's from Stanford University. These are all from elite sectors of media, government, academia. And and he does attempt in his talk to say, hey, just because we can do something, should we do it? But there is no transcendent standard for what is right or wrong. He ultimately comes to the conclusion of if a democratic process is offended by what we're doing, we should stop. That's it. That's the standard. Well, man, I can think of things democratic processes were offended by that we should not stop doing. Democratic processes were offended by abolition of slavery in in, in the West for a couple centuries, as I recall, right? Should we have stopped that because the democratic processes were offended? That's the standard. That's the only standard he articulates when you listen to his talk. I think you can see where this is going. The eco- Ralph Barrick's name, by the way, is invoked in these talks from EcoHealth Alliance. His name, not in the one we're going to mention today, here today, but in other ones of these on this page. Get this link now. Capture it now. Because these things have a way, you know, like the Defense Department Epidemiological D- Database. These things have a way of disappearing once we unearth them. It's funny how that works sometimes. Or they get edited. Like when you and I wrote Fauci and Bargain, how many studies did we see about how masks don't work that were then retrograded uh, to say, we're sorry for this research. We were wrong. They work now. We saw this on numerous studies. Don't be surprised now that we're raising the awareness on this conference from 2014 where you're going to see everything that we have gone through from the bio, pharma, medical, industrial complex All of it is discussed on this page by the people that could actually pull it off. Everybody everybody at this conference doing this research could have been responsible for leaking leaking that virus from a lab because they were all in support of specifically provoking these viruses in order to create preemptive vaccines. They make that very clear all the way through here. They're all for it. You'll also hear that there can be no other. If you listen to all four of these talks, there can be no other. If one of these vi- viruses got out or came out of the wild, there could possibly be no other treatments other than their cutting-edge tech. Nothing else. Nothing. Else. No drugs. No drugs are talked about. The, the conference is not called. A, you know, a, a promotion of vaccines. But that's all. That's the only medicine that can possibly be contemplated. It's like, it's like antibiotics never happened. We jumped right from electric shock therapy to we skipped 100 years of, med- of Western medicine. There are no drugs. There are no antibiotics. There's nothing, no such thing as over-the-counter. And we just go right to cutting-edge tech. Those are the only possible treatments available. There can be nothing else. Everything we have lived through with our medical system in this last going-on 24 months is all on this link. All of it is. And all four of these talks, all four of these talks absolutely compiled together. Demonstrate everything we've, we've, we've been undergoing for the last 23 months now in the West. So with that as a lead on, I want you to hear the introduction from the Volkswagen Foundation as well. During portions of this, we will break into comment. But let us begin. Science Uncut,
0: presented by the Volkswagen Foundation.
5: When scientists study, for example, a particularly dangerous type of influenza virus, the knowledge they gain could lead to the production of a vaccine against that strain of influenza. This would be a great benefit for all of us. Their research could, however, at the very same time, also provide them with knowledge of how to turn the virus into a powerful biological weapon. A terrible risk. The-
1: freeze, it right, freeze it right there. What did she just say? When scientists look to study very serious influenza viruses for the purposes of creating of creating a vaccine for it, the knowledge they acquire could also lead to creating superviruses, essentially. Anybody? She just laid out what is the far most likely rationale behind the origins of COVID-19. And just casually in her intro from December of 2014, let us continue.
5: This is what scientists and politicians mean when they talk about dual-use research of concern. Research in the life sciences that has the potential for enormous benefits but comes with great risks. How can such research be conducted and regulated? That is the question at the heart of a symposium conducted by the Volkswagen Foundation in December 2014 in Hanover, Germany. The opening remarks were given by Harvey Feinberg. Feinberg was dean of the Harvard School of Public Health and served as president of the Institute of Medicine in Washington. His main area of research is decision-making in medicine and public health. His talk has the title decisions about gain-of-function research. Who bears the burden of proof? In his talk, Feinberg describes a recent fundamental shift in U.S. policy on dual-use research. In the summer of 2014, three lapses in biosafety became public. A potential exposure of lab employees to anthrax, the discovery of an unaccounted sample of the smallpox virus, and the accidental distribution of a particularly dangerous variant of the influenza virus to another lab. All
1: right, pause it here for a second. (laughs) She labels smallpox, anthrax, and a super flu. Now these things, uh, uh, exposures from this kind of research created a a cause for... You think? You think that might... Do, Do you guys not see movies at all? Does the scientific, does the microbiology community never go to movies? Do you not read any books? Ever heard the name Michael Crichton? Anybody? Bueller, is this on? Are you, and just listen to how NPR clinical this is. Continue.
5: None of the events led to actual harm, but it caused the U.S. government on October 17th, 2014, to temporarily halt its funding for dual-use research on certain kinds of organisms. This decision, Feinberg argues, represents a fundamental shift. In the past, the burden of proof, whether research or the publication of research results, was too high a risk, lay with the regulating body, that is, mainly the government. The halting of funding turned this around. Now the researchers and the research institutions have the burden of proof to show that the benefits of going forward with their research outweigh the risks. In his talk, Feinberg lays out the challenges to reaching informed... All right, pause it for a second. Accept- if
1: they previously did not have to show... If, if, if the new thing is that you have to show the benefits of your research outweigh the risks, what does it mean you previously didn't necessarily have to do?
4: That! That.
1: That. Well, now you have to do this, which sort of implies you previously didn't have to do that thing, correct?
5: Right. Continue. and appropriate solutions. He emphasizes that the words in which we frame the problems already influence the issues we raise and the answers we might give. Feinberg describes what a discussion about this kind of risk-benefit analysis could look like and who needs to be involved. He gave his talk in Hanover on December 10, 2014, at the Herrenhausen-Symposium Dual-Use Research on Microbes – Biosafety, Biosecurity, Responsibility. The symposium was organized by the Volkswagen Foundation.
0: In my opening remarks, I wanted to share with you a perspective on the current state of development in the debates about dual-use research or gain-of-function research or research with pathogens of pandemic potential, depending on how you describe the problem. Each of those descriptions, by the way, casts the problem in slightly different light and raises slightly different issues to the fore for consideration. But after reviewing briefly where we are at the moment uh, in the United States, I want to touch upon uh, four special issues of concern to me uh, about how we will go about reaching sensible, informed, acceptable, and appropriate solutions to the problems that we are jointly facing. On October 17th of this year, the United States government announced that it was proceeding to enact a pause in funding for research dealing with gain of function related to three organisms. Influenza, the coronavirus of SARS, and the coronavirus of MERS. All right,
1: freeze it right there. The coronavirus of SARS and the coronavirus of MERS. That is the exact research that our medical intelligentsia was doing in Wuhan, China. They were attempting to create a preemptive vaccine for the next SARS and MERS level event. Now, what the Chinese motivations were, who knows? But that's what Francis Collins and Ralph Baric and EcoHealth Alliance and Anthony Fauci, that's what their motivations, or at least stated motivations, were. And here it is right out in the open, Mr. Feinberg from Harvard University. Right out in the open. They weren't even hiding this. Continue.
0: That decision was accompanied by a description of a process that would be undertaken in the United States to attempt to resolve unanswered questions about the means by which one could go forward in this research. Specifically, the announcement charged a group called the NSABB, the National Science Advisory Board for Biosecurity in the United States, to make formal recommendations in the course of time about the policy and practice that should be pursued. And in association with that mandate to the NSABB, the government said that it would authorize a parallel process in the national academies under the aegis of the National Research Council, which was to bring together experts and the public to discuss elements of benefit and risk, and specifically to advise on how to proceed with what is called a, quote, objective and rigorous, unquote, examination of the benefits and risks associated with this research.
1: All right, pause it here for a second. So Mr. Feinberg from Harvard University says, hey, the point of this pause, or one of the points of this pause, was so there could be a public conversation about whether the juice is worth the squeeze here. Do you guys remember any kind of public conversation about this at all? No. Had you heard the term gain of function until... Sometime late in 2020.
4: No, and then if you brought it up, you'd get canceled.
1: Yes. I don't, I don't recall having any kind of dialogue about this. You don't? No. I don't recall even knowing anything about any of this.
4: I remember when we first found out that it was, I mean, obviously the timing of this, it's the Obama pause. Who mm-hmm. knew
1: about
5: this? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, do people at Harvard, Stanford, guys, a, a writer from the New Yorker, talks later in the day at this conference. That's a fairly prominent media platform. Lots of places to have all kinds of conversations about this. And you would think people would be going back and unearthing archives faster than you can say Joe Rogan of all the conversations and controversies about gain of function research in 2014 and 2015 after the Obama administration's ban, right? Right. Are we seeing all those things though? Do you guys remember seeing all kinds of articles and everything about this? Never. 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 Now, the the agenda here is is to resume this research as swiftly as possible. They believe they are in the right. They're what, they're what Megan Basham was saying last hour about Tim Keller and 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 Beth Moore. They are not to be questioned. They are in the right. Unquestionably, without any accountability. Before we continue, I want to remind you about... Uh, our friends over at Raycon, you know, uh, there's a lot of wireless earbuds out there. Some of you are listening to this on a podcast version right now. I will tell you, I've tried several brands. None of them seal noise in better than Raycon does. It's one of the reasons why they're one of the most popular brands of earbuds that are out there. It's why every time they send me a pair, my son ends up confiscating them from me and I never see them again. Except for the last time when I didn't tell them they were coming and just kept that knowledge to myself. You know, like the Volkswagen foundation and its scientists decided to do with the dangers of gain of function research to us. All right. So if you want to find out why they've got over 48,000 five-star reviews for Raycons, R-A-Y-C-O-N, R-A-Y-C-O-N, go to buyraycon.com, uh, slash Steve Buy Raycon, R-A-Y-C-O-N buyrayconcom Raycon.com slash Steve, save 15% off of your entire order at buyraycon.com slash Steve. We will probably end up having to carry some of this into the overtime today. So you can get to the end of this recording. All right. So if you are a Blaze TV subscriber, we're going to record that for you right after we get done with today's show at blazetv.com slash dace. It'll be close next segment. It'll be close. But my guess is we'll have to finish this in the overtime. So blazetv.com dace is where you'll be able to watch that later today. And that's also where you can go right now to become a Blaze TV subscriber at a discounted rate, just 10 bucks a month right now at blazetv.com dace. Any quick thoughts before this break and then we'll resume when we return? Well,
4: this guy is, he sounds like the kind of person who we have just come to rely on because we were just talking about tone.
1: His tone's great. Tone's great. Very measured, very professional. Tone's great. The Tone. content is damn chilling. Tone is. But the n- tone's good, n- so I guess it's all good, right? The tone's good, so it doesn't matter how chilling the content actually is. Not so much. All right, we'll come back. You'll hear more of that chilling content, but well toned. Next. If you are getting involved in the real estate market during these unprecedented times, Bing. make sure you do so with a real estate agent that you can trust. And the good news is finding just such a person is as simple as ever because you just go to this website, com. If you are a Blaze TV watcher or Blaze podcast or a radio listener, obviously, you know, on some level, you got to have some form of trust of Glenn Beck. Well, this is a company that him and his associates started because they Well, they ran into real estate agents that they couldn't trust, so they didn't want that to happen to you, so they started this referral service, and and a lot of these agents actually come right out of this audience and are just good, red-blooded Americans like you. So head to the website, just about anywhere you want to move to or from, we can help you get there with a real estate agent that you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we're going to continue on listening in to this conference that was held in Germany in 2014 about what to do in response to the world's lone superpower, the United States, deciding to defund gain-of-function research. We're listening to the first talk today. These links are up on all of my social media pages right now. We're listening to the first talk today from Harvey Feinberg at Harvard University. Let's continue.
0: Now, this announcement came as a departure from what had been the established policy dating back to 2012, in which the US announced that it would take 15 agents of special concern, organisms or toxins, and seven classes of experiment of particular concern, most of which deal with gain of function of one type or another, or ability to evade detection or treatment on the part of the organism and it applied a special standard to proceeding with that research premised on the idea that the institution and the scientists conducting the research would bring forward these concerns prior to proceeding with the research. Now why did the United States make this change from a policy which essentially said, research goes forward with exceptions to when it may come under the umbrella of these special concerns, to a policy which says, we are pausing on our funding and we will only proceed with this research under conditions that have been more fully assessed for benefit and risk.
1: All right, now pause it-, it here for a second. There's no humility here. There's no empathy here. The narrator begins by admitting we had three lab leaks of anthrax, smallpox, and a super flu. Okay. We had three we had three lab leaks last year. Is that's what she says in her in her intro. Mm-hmm. He goes on to admit that these sort, this, this research can be dangerous and has and it's had three near misses now, three near misses, three warning shots, anthrax, smallpox, and super flu, or Captain Trips, if you will. And instead of a conference that says, of medical elites from around the world that says, Hey guys, has no one here ever read the stand? They gather a conference to say, how can we start doing this as soon as possible again? That is an institution that is rotten at its core, that is lost at its core.
4: And again, it's after a policy, as he says. It's not a long-standing policy that has served these people well, and now maybe oh, let's not overreact. He didn't say it's been around for 20 years. No, it's been fact, around for less
1: than two years. He can't even point to anything that they've successfully come out of it with. And none of these talks do, by the way. They can't point to anything successful that they've gotten out of this. They just want to do it anyway. Continue.
0: Actually, what happened is that in June of this year, there were three reported episodes of different kinds of breaks in biosafety, all related to work at the CDC or the National Institutes of Health. One of these involved exposure to anthrax, potentially, of a number of employees. One of these involved the discovery in an abandoned laboratory of smallpox virus that no one had kept track of. And one of them involved the distribution, inadvertently, of a more dangerous variant of influenza virus that fortuitously was sent to another BL3 laboratory and not more widely and therefore did not create any undue harm except for the fact that it should never have been dispatched in the first place.
1: Okay, pause and these three... I was working full-time in this industry when this stuff went on. I never heard about any of this. We had not one, not two, but we damn near had the stand three times in one year. And the arguments are, how can we keep doing this anyway? How can we keep doing this anyway? This is like the Joe Rogan conversation. We talked about where does Rogan's next level courage to stand up to a maelstrom come from if he doesn't believe in anything transcendent? Well, a further avenue of that is... Where does your notion of conscience and accountability come from if you don't fear anything transcendent? Continue.
0: Episodes coming one after another reawakened concerns about biosafety as well as biosecurity and had a direct connection to the decision to declare a pause in funding. Now, we have experienced in the past self-imposed moratoria by the scientific community, which have come and been uh, then preceded by active research. But this pause is imposed by the funder, by the government in the United States, and it has stated a procedure and a practice by which it will revisit this question. And what this represents to me is a Very substantial change in where the responsibility and burden of proof rests.
1: Pause it. So he says, hey, we've had these sorts of near misses or calamities in the past. And as a movement, as an industry, as an enterprise, we've self-edited. We've we've shut it down ourselves. We recognized, hey, man, Icarus is flying too close to the sun here. We weren't going to do this this time. So government had to come in and do it instead. Might I submit that if government is the institution here in its current iteration in the West where we go to to make sure certain societal restraints are maintained, we are 4 f Fair? If government is you know, the grown up uh, in the room? Yeah, no. if, when, if government's the grown up in the room here, okay? Ankle grab. Assume the position. It's damn fortunate that this hasn't happened yet. It didn't happen before 2020. It hasn't happened numerous times since. Sounds like or the loud in public schools. <laughs> nice. Let's continue.
0: In the past, if you think back even to those first experiments and the question about publication, the responsibility and the burden of proof was on the NSABB and others who would want to demonstrate why this research should not be fully disclosed and in fact in the course of time as everyone here is well aware the research was fully uh, disclosed after some back and forth but now the responsibility and the burden has shifted to the other side because the default condition at the present is that this research is not going forward and in the U.S. context, will not go forward unless and until the conditions of the balance of benefit and risk have been resolved. I hope and I expect that in the course of these several days, did you want to pause it there? You you I, I,
1: Absolutely, yeah.
4: I what the notwithstanding what we just said about the government and being rightly effed, there's there's another side of what he's saying because he, we're talking about we're so used to the government being. Poorly run and terrible at its job. Yeah. But ultimately, the government is there to resep- represent who? We, the people. And what's clearly stated there is that instead of us just being the experts and trusted to be the experts, now the people are going to tell us the experts when it's okay. And let's face it. Haven't we learned how much they hate that? You don't tell us, we tell you. Mm -hmm. That's what's in there. Mm -hmm. And I still, after listening to this the second time, I can't tell, because of this guy's tone, how much he thinks there's a legitimate
1: issue to be worked through. And maybe because you've listened to all of them, Steve, you can... If you listen to him in context, yeah, you'll you'll see that the goal here is to resume this research. No matter what. No matter what but as, as safely and responsibly and swiftly as possible. Yes, that that is the goal, to resume this research. The goal of this conference is to continue it.
4: Yes. But the, just the uh, obvious implied in all, just remember, this is a, just another example of the experts, the establishment, versus the people, or versus the Joe Rogans, the ones who want to ask questions. That's here underlying all of this.
0: Thank you. Aaron. Many of the same kinds of questions, considerations, and arguments that need to be incorporated into those deliberations, as well as deliberations that are going on here in Germany, in other parts of Europe, and indeed, around the world. And that is why one of the reasons I believe this gathering has so much timely salience. Immediately after this, as has been alluded, A gathering will take place uh, in Washington, the first of the meetings of the National Research Council called to play its part in the U.S. process. And this brings me to the first of four challenges that I want to set forth. How can we establish and implement a deliberative process that is appropriate Inclusive and fair in reaching determinations of how to go forward with this research, under what conditions. That answers yeah. your question right way. there. And look yep. look
4: how we're being seduced by progressive language in there to get it back yes. at check. Mm-hmm. Pro- yep. Fair, inclusive, Correct. the same words that everybody bought into and thinking we could all just get along. Amazing. Yep.
0: There are many relevant and appropriate participants in these discussions. They include, of course, the scientists who conduct research on gain of function and closely related scientific research. They also include the larger scientific community and professional societies. They certainly include the institutions that house, support, and sponsor this research. They include the funding agencies, whether public or private, who would undertake to fund this research. They include regulatory bodies at different levels in governments who have a responsibility for public safety. They include political leaders who oversee all of the processes that we're discussing And very importantly, they include the public at large because decisions that are taken about risk and benefit balance that have not adequately incorporated the views, understanding, and agreement of the larger body politic are going to have problems going forward.
2: So I just okay. want I want to get in here. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, no. B- go. B- before before we end here, um, the sciences for my entire life and really for the for the last century plus, the undergirding worldview of the sciences is what, it's atheistic Darwinian mm-hmm. capital E evolution. You want to talk about tone? The entire tone of what I understand of this conference and his tone so far—it's clear there is a complex at work here. When you start from the worldview of Darwinian capital E evolution, I have no idea what Harvey Feinberg, Feinberg's faith background is here, but it's clear—it's clear if you ascend to that level of the sciences, you accept in your heart. On some level, that Darwinian evolution that begins with survival of the fittest. I'm here to tell you everybody who starts there, everybody who starts with the Darwinian evolutionist worldview ends up believing in God. That happens in one of three ways. One, you recognize God is who he is, and you are who you are, and that is not God. Number two, You recognize God is who he is, but you say to yourself, I will be like God. Mm -hmm. Or number three, and this is what I would submit would be the most dangerous version, I am God. Mm -hmm. That's the complex at work here. Mm -hmm. That is the complex. You always end up believing in God if you start from a worldview of Darwinian evolution because you believe in science. And you believe like the t-shirt that those two ridiculous doctors were wearing last week in that that viral video science like magic but real. There's a god complex going on here and it is it is rife. There's no no um accountability. There's not even a thought to the underlings. It's our will be done. That's the message of this conference.
1: It was literally weeks Weeks ago, the Obama administration canceled the funding of this and they put this conference together about how we can go right back to it after not one, not two, but three scary new misses or near misses and not of the light variety anthrax, smallpox, one of the worst killers in human history and a super flu. And they get right back up on that horse again. Malthusian ethics always follows Darwinianism. We always go to the descent of man, and we're going to go that next in the overtime. For the rest of you, we'll see you there tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace.
5: On the Blaze Radio Network.